I do want to uh, say that we're continuing our sermon series that we started uh, at the beginning of Lent called Soul Reset. And we're using Dr. Junius Dotson's book called Soul Reset, and we're going through it uh, virtually chapter by chapter. And so today we're looking at um, the word savor, and we're talking about fasting. Uh, not just fasting from food, but fasting from other things, and the purpose being to really savor our relationship with Jesus Christ. And to turn our attention more as if we're sitting at the feet of Jesus in this week. I do want uh, a few of the points of the chapter to come up at this point, And I do want to critique uh, at least one of them. So one of the things that we're going to be fasting from, according to the chapter, is fasting from social media uh, for 24 hours. I'm going to say you can do this if you want. Uh, but I don't think that we need to fast from social media right now because it is our connection to others. It's the way that we're communicating. It's the way we're caring for one another. And, and I think the Lord certainly understands that this is truly a gift right now to be able to communicate with one another through social media. But I also want to say that fasting from food is something we're going to encourage you to do. Uh, maybe from sundown to sundown or, or maybe from sundown till noon the next day or maybe for just a meal. The point is to take time away from food, uh, whatever that time might be, to turn your attention uh, to your worship of God and relying only on God. And this is a hard one for preachers, but to fast from words, fast from words. As much as possible, refrain from speaking for a period of time. And during this period of time that you're refraining from speaking, uh, turn, out, turn up your listening and, and listen to what God might be saying to you. And the next point that we'd like to discuss for this week is to fast from spending. Don't spend any money for one day. Uh, don't go online and buy anything. Uh, don't buy anything. And, and instead, turn your attention to all the blessings that God has given to you. And at the end of the day, maybe you want to make a donation to help somebody else. Uh, that's a good way to practice this particular aspect of fasting. And finally, fast from, um, from, from negativity. You know, right now, it, we're, we're all a bit anxious. Uh, some maybe even be af uh, or being afraid. But, but this is a time that we, we don't need negativity. And so I'm going to encourage us to, instead of complaining, find ways to be positive and encouraging. And maybe you text or maybe you call someone or maybe you email a word of encouragement. Uh, let's not just don't be negative. Let's be positive and encouraging one with another. You know, Luke wants to portray Jesus in, in his gospel always as being there for those who are a little bit misfit in society. So he's often uplifting those who have leprosy, who are outcasts, or the tax collectors, or, or the Samaritans, 
And Luke is particularly fond of uplifting women in particular roles and making them, in essence, the hero or those who bring forth the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach. And we have such a case today from Luke's gospel, the 10th chapter. I'd like for you to turn to that chapter. And the 38 through the 42nd verses are the ones that we're going to focus on today. In Jesus' day, for a man to speak to a woman in public uh, was worse than uncouth. And even to speak to a woman in a household, if that woman wasn't a direct relative, it was considered a violation of the Levitical law. And, and how are you doing with that law? Uh, probably not very good because we speak to women and we speak to men in our normal coming and going. Jesus stood, in Luke's gospel we see it so poignantly, he stood for us being those who don't exclude anyone. How are we doing on that? This what Jesus would uplift is the, the prime practice of holiness, is to be inclusive of others and to lift others up. And today we have Jesus in a familiar biblical passage where he's with two women, Mary and Martha, who happen to be sisters. And they're also sisters of Lazarus, whom Jesus in John's gospel, we have him being raised from the dead. We, we've looked at that passage recently in worship. So the biblical setting today is a setting of a home. Now, isn't that um, apropos for today, uh, that Jesus is speaking with Mary and Martha and others, perhaps, in that home. They're gathered there. And so if you'll turn with me to this passage, I'd like for us to read from Luke 10. Now, as they went into, on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the blessing of God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Now with this backdrop for our thinking, let's look a little bit at this story and what Jesus is, is, is teaching as he comes into this home to visit uh, with those gathered there, and particularly Mary and Martha. Jesus was coming for dinner, and Martha was so excited since daybreak. She'd been sweeping and scrubbing and dusting and, and checking recipes and darting in and out of the kitchen, frantically preparing for Jesus. And then Jesus arrives. And look what happens. Mary whisks him away into uh, the, the, the living room. Uh, she becomes the host. She becomes the one who is sharing hospitality with the Lord. And Jesus and his disciples, they're warmly ushered in as well. 
Uh, Mary is about the business of making sure everyone is comfortable in the home. And, and there's a certain urgency about the moment. The master's on his way to Jerusalem. And as we know, um, that his trip into Jerusalem would end with his crucifixion. No, 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 not his crucifixion, right? It would end with his resurrection. But we also know that this was a journey that was very decisive in the life of Jesus and in the lives of those who followed him. Now, I want us to look at something this morning. Martha, who is preparing the meal, she's polishing the silverware. She's cutting up all of the fruit and vegetables. She's, she's checking the last-minute details, but, but there's a problem. As Martha continues with her feverish pace, she becomes um, one who's seething inside. And the indignation toward her sister mounts. And finally, unable to contain herself any longer, her resentment erupts and she goes into the guest of the party. And she says to Jesus, look at this, Lord. I'm having to do all the work here. Don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? You get on to her right now. But Jesus says to her, and I, I think he, he said it in a, a gentle voice, a, a voice that was caring, a voice that was compassionate, certainly not scolding. He said, Martha, Martha, don't be so worried and troubled about many things. Relax and lighten up. One thing is needful, and Mary has chosen the good portion, which shall not be taken from her. She's chosen that one thing, and that is to be with Jesus. In other words, Martha or Mary would remember this time with, with Jesus. And, and it's doubtful that, that Martha would remember her time cutting up the artichokes, but Mary would always be blessed by that time that she spent sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now let me say one more thing. Mary and Martha were sisters, but they had very different personalities, didn't they? Mary is the more contemplative type, and Martha, well, she's a doer. Now let's don't think for one moment that Jesus is trying to say that he prefers the contemplative type to the doer. Uh, no, uh, not Jesus. Jesus sees us all as the same as far as his love for us, but different and uniquely blessed. And yet he sees something in Martha that's beyond just her resentment. He sees something that he knows that she needs to work on. It's her busyness, but beyond just the busyness, there's this understanding that, that, that she seems to have taken everything upon her shoulders, her own shoulders. It, it seems that she is saying, it's, it, it's, it's, it's all up to me. And Jesus is wanting to turn her attention away from herself, to be at his feet as her sister was at his feet. You know, in this time in our world right now, with COVID-19 having us all holed up in, in our own living rooms or kitchens and, and, and perhaps getting a little testy with those who are sharing the house with us, 
Uh, we're, we're not being able to go to worship, which I know we all miss. We miss those hugs that we usually get and those handshakes that mean so much to us. And the time that we may have in our small group or our Sunday school classes or our gathering in worship and the fellowship afterwards, all of these things we miss. And perhaps we, we're even at home and we get consumed by thinking about the markets tanking and our own financial fears and, um, and employment worries that we may have. And, and it's easy to fall into that understanding that it's all on me. And we feel the weight on our shoulders, the weight of the world on our shoulders. If Mary had been seething in resentment, Jesus would have turned to her too and corrected that behavior. So what Martha was experiencing in that moment was the weight of the world on her shoulders, but it was more than that that was feeding her resentment. Jesus saw an opportunity to also point out Martha's narrowness. Martha's view had become so narrow that she couldn't see uh, any other way to do things than the way she was doing things. She was blind to the miracle of uniqueness. And she forgot that we are all different. We're different individuals. God's uh, blessed us with gifts and skills that are different from one another. You know how often it is that we can become narrow and can see the world just through our own lenses and, and want everybody to be like us, think like us, believe like us, do things the way we do things. You know, we see that in the church from time to time, don't we? Some think that their religious experience is the only valid religious experience. And they try to force their way on other people. I've seen people who read a book or they hear a speaker and they, that espouses a belief and they embrace that speaker. This is it. You know, I've, I've finally found it. And everything else is not it. And some take a theological or socio-political position and everyone who doesn't see it exactly their way or do it exactly the way they would do it, they're wrong. Martha's world had become so narrow that she could only see that, that it's all on me and the way that I see things, that's the way that they are. Her problems had become overwhelming. You know, the last several days, actually weeks, I've been thinking about a time um, that in some ways was similar to this time. And, and I've been thinking about 9-11, uh, specifically, I've been thinking about September the 11th, 2001. Do you remember where you are, were at 9-11? Most of us do. It's one of those moments in time that we know exactly what we were doing when uh, the events, the tragic events of what we call 9-11 were unfolding. Now the weight of the world was overwhelming. And I want to point to some of the things that we experienced through 9-11. The United States had been attacked by terrorists. The enemy was known, but the enemy was very difficult to find. War was escalating and fear 
they were run, fears were running wild. Death and loss, they became very real to us. The markets responded and financial vulnerability became a, a reality. And there were lots of questions about our government's response. And suspicions and conspiracy theories were running rampant. But God helped us to shift that weight. God, God helped us to see things differently. Remember our dependence upon God? I remember that Sunday right after the Tuesday of 9-11. The churches were filled up because we were leaning on God. That was all we could do. The country came together like many of us had never seen it come together before. And partisan differences were, were, were swept to the side, at least for a time. And the world started coalescing around a common enemy, and that was radical terrorism. And the market settled down, and uh, the economy eventually corrected. And there were some amazing stories of the best of human interaction. You know what I believe? I, I believe God heard our prayers. And the prayers of a world um, and, and, and acted accordingly, acted on our behalf. God is good and God is good all the time. And God responded it was God who helped us to change the focus during 9-11. And it's God who will help us change the focus in this time that we're now in. In this episode that we've read about this morning with Mary and Martha, Jesus is saying, beware of the dangerous attitudes of resentment and narrowness. It can devastate our soul. Focus on Jesus and take the long view. And remember, God is good all the time. And as we say here, and all the time, God is good. Jesus said, only one thing is needed. And that's what Jesus wanted not only for Martha, he wanted it for Mary, he wants it for you, he wants it for me. This one thing. I remembered a story this past week about a, a young United Methodist pastor who was fresh out of seminary and he was called to serve his first pastorate, which was a, a small farming community. And, and he was getting to preach every Sunday and he enjoyed it very much, but it was a challenge for this young man who was accustomed to the world of academia and now he was a pastor, not just a preacher, but a pastor in a small country church. And each Sunday, he preached sermons that were a little more than uh, lengthy dissertations of his uh, seminary notes. And this rural United Methodist Church, they were accustomed to breaking in ministers. They were accustomed to doing the training that God had called them to do. He wasn't the first young seminary graduate who had come into their, their pulpit, into their their congregation into their homes. 
And they understood their role as uh, we're here to help. One Sunday, the lay leader, um, he took it on himself to be there uh, making things just right in the sanctuary before worship. No one else was there. The pastor hadn't even arrived. And, and so that lay leader put a, a, a little piece of paper with a scripture text on it. He put John 12, 21 on a piece of paper and placed it on the pulpit. Well, it wasn't too long that the pastor, he uh, arrived at the church and in the sanctuary he went and he started looking at everything, making sure everything was in order, kind of going over the same tracks the lay leader had been on. And he was so busy going this way and that way. And finally he came into the pulpit and he put his notes there. Uh, and then he noticed that piece of paper with John twelve twenty one. So he, he picked up his Bible he didn't remember exactly what John 12, 21 said. And, and then he read it. And what he read was, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Jesus said to Martha and to Mary and to you and to me, I'm here. You can sit at my feet. And if you wish to see me and if you wish to be with me, I'll show up. I'll be in your home. I'll be in your heart. Christ is the one thing that is needed right now. And when we focus on Jesus, we embrace the truth that perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. And that text that we read just last Sunday Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you peace. I will give you calm. But first, we have to name our fears. The imperfect world that we live in is under attack, right? We need to name that. The enemy is invisible it's a virus death and loss it's become real and anxiety and fear has escalated and in some cases it's running wild the markets are shot and financial vulnerability is a a reality again and, and there are lots of questions about our government's response that really take us nowhere. There are suspicions and conspiracy theories that are running rampant. Does this sound familiar? And then our focus on Jesus is to remember and to believe the good things that are coming. That God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And when we sit at the feet of Jesus and we experience that calm, that peace. Then, then we realize that our churches aren't, they're not filling up. But people are tuning into the church. People are turning their attention to the church through the internet like never before. Last Sunday was like a couple of Easter's in one. As far as those who are viewing on the internet. And I'm sure this Sunday is even more so. We're leaning on God. 
We're coming together like never before as a congregation, as a nation, as a world. Partisan differences need to be swept to the side and we're seeing some examples of that which are very refreshing. And whatever we believe about how things uh, have been handled, they, they take us nowhere. We, we need to focus our, our needs on our leaders. We need to be praying for our leaders. We need to be following the plans that our leaders are, are, are laying out for us as a nation, as a state, as a county, at, even at the church level. The world has already coalesced around the common enemy of COVID-19. The markets, they will settle down. And the economy, it will correct. And we will not only hear some amazing stories of the best of human interaction, but we'll be part of making those stories ourselves through the way we care for one another. But it starts at the feet of Jesus. I want to give you these four little words to focus on as I close. I think it's time for us to sit at the feet of Jesus as we worship and as we pray this week. To, to really experience being with Jesus. And secondly, to stop. Stop what we're doing. That's what this fasting is all about. And turn our full attention uh, to who Jesus is in our lives and what God is about to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. And stand before Jesus in a way that we ask the Lord to correct us. Uh, whether it's resentment or whether it's narrowness or, or whatever. And, and not only to correct us, but to inspire us and to direct us. And then the final word is to step out and do the very things that God knows will bring life and life abundantly. Friends, know that you're in my prayers this week and I hope that you will find time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Amen.